Hey, I downloaded this app called The Perfect Marriage. Uh huh. This is the one we have to do challenges together, right? Yep. We'll read this one. Today's challenge is to reconnect in nature. I don't think you're doing that right. I'm doing it wrong. This fire's just broken. Uh, the instructions say put this um, at a 25 do I degree like angle. I need instructions. So many flies. Ow. Ow. the big strong man is the one that's supposed to know how to put the tent together. No. I don't think that's how that works. What do you mean? This is totally fine. I can handle stuff like this. It doesn't have to be this hard. Is that we're asking you, we're asking everybody in the room to sign up as a part of the 60 Day Marriage Challenge into 60 day groups. And what that is, is that we've, we're forming groups. They only go for four weeks. And we've, we've actually gone out, we've located, uh, marriages, couples in our congregation whose marriages are in a healthy, strong, good place. And the idea is that we, we're, you're going to interact a little bit while you're there. You're going to have the opportunity just to ask questions go, hey, you know what? I kind of tried that thing Pastor Lynn said and it, you know, it just doesn't seem to work the way he said it was going to work. And, and you're going to get, you have some feedback that says, well, when you did it, did you do this? And all of a sudden you're going to have insight and things are going to click into uh, place that much better for you. It's really in some ways, it's just like kind of a, a four week intensive on moving your marriage forward. And here's what I want to say to the guys just real quickly. Look, look, look. No one's going to throw you under the bus. Nobody's going to go, look, you know, let me tell you about my husband. And, and there's not going to be any crying and there's no holding hands or kumbaya. Okay. So there's none of that. Okay. It's, it's safe. It's really just in, in essence, a marriage intensive in a room with a couple who's got some ground that you might want to take in yours. Okay. So it, it's all for your benefit, but you might want to consider signing up. And here's what you need to do. If you, if you're willing, you can do it on the app or you can leave the auditorium. And when you leave, you'll see the booth that says 60 day groups and just sign up and and be part of that for the next four weeks. All right, we told you we're going to talk about uh, marital intimacy. We're going to talk about this idea of sex. And here's the incredible part about this. You realize that this may be, apart from salvation, uh, the most incredible, wonderful gift that God gave us. And yet, uh, it's, a, it's an area in an awful lot of marriages that causes lots of stress, Lots of frustration, lots of angst within the relationship. And the question is, why? Why, if this is such an incredible gift, if, it, if it's such a neat thing between a husband and a wife, what, why would this be the source of conflict and of frustration with one another? Because stop and think, stop and think about the gift in the first place. You realize that God gave us sex for procreation. We, we all get that to have children. But how cool is this moment? How cool is it that God decided that the most intimate, the, the most loving moment within a relationship was going to be the moment of conception, that that's, that's where life was going to be formed. I mean, you realize he could have done this a hundred other ways. I mean, he could have said, hey, you know, you're going to conceive by patting him on the back. Now, that would have changed how we hug each other. You know, you mean, oh, I did it again. Oh, man. You know, I mean, but, but you realize it did not have to be this incredibly intimate expression of love between a man and a woman that brought life into the world. You realize that part of this gift is, is that God said, Hey, I'm just going to give you this for pleasure. This is just absolutely for your enjoyment and pleasure that when you stood there on your wedding day, that God made a gift of your spouse and of their body to you. Man, he said to you in that way, he says, look, this is, this is my wedding present to you. It's her. 
Ladies, when you stood there on that day, he said, this is, this is my gift to you. It's him. It's his body. And I'm giving that to you. Now, some of you women are asking right now, is that a returnable item? Uh, but you get, you get, you get, he gave us this incredible thing for pleasure to do nothing but bring joy between a man and a woman. And then I think maybe even just as importantly, you realize that, that this intimate moment, this moment of sexual contact between a husband and a wife is also a moment of promise. That, that he designed this so that in essence, when a man and a woman are together, you're actually renewing the promises of your wedding day. Have you, have you noticed that all through the time we've been talking about marriage and over and over again when it comes to this moment of physical contact, it talks about this idea of being one flesh. And you realize that goes deeper than just the idea that our bodies are coming in contact. It goes to this idea that says, my promise to you is that we're going to become one. And what we play at in this intimate moment between a man and a woman is we're saying to each other, hey, look, this isn't about competition. This isn't about me winning. This is about us becoming one with one another. And then I believe there's this whole Ephesians 5 thing going on. Remember Ephesians 5 says, submit to one another. In other words, take your needs and make your needs less than the needs of your spouse. Be willing to sacrifice what you want in order for your spouse's benefit. And what better place is that played out than in the marriage bed and when a husband comes and says, this is not about me. This isn't about my gratification. I'm actually going to put your needs and your gratification above mine. And guys, man, let me just say this to you, man. You are crazy if you come to this moment between you and your wife and you make it about you. That one of the most powerful things that a man can do in that moment is simply say, look, this isn't, this isn't about me first. And I'm going to make sure that this moment is amazing for you. So I'm going to hold back. I'm going to restrain my wants right now and it's going to be about you. And she does the same thing. And literally what we play out in the marriage bed becomes a play act of what we've got to do in every other moment within the marriage life. How incredible is that gift? How, how amazing is this thing that God gave us? So let me ask you, how come, how come it causes so much consternation? Why, how has this thing gotten so off kilter uh, within our relationships? Because that's just not what God intended it to be. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me because there's a passage in Scripture where God just says, hey, look, this, this ought to be something that's free and enjoyed and just brings all sorts of happiness within the relationship. That's what I planned. It's 1 Corinthians. And if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and then work to the left, you're going to find it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Starting in verse 2. And here's what it says. It says, but since uh, sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each wife with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. 
Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves in prayer. Then come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So you get the moment, God says, look, here's the deal. This, this ought to be, this ought to be something that between a man and a woman is just a free expression of the deep and inviting love that they have. And the truth is, uh, there shouldn't be restraint. There shouldn't be angst about this. And, and you shouldn't hold back except, except maybe for a moment of prayer. And then just for a little while, you can tell a man was writing this, just for a little while. And then you ought to come back together again. So ladies, uh, here's the deal. You know, next time he comes, says, hey, what are you thinking? You go, leave me alone. I'm praying. Praying right now. Praying right now. But then you realize that's only going to work for a little while. Okay. But here, catch this part of the passage. Did you catch the part in the passage where it says, you know, her body really doesn't belong to her and she doesn't have authority over it. And his body really doesn't belong to him. He doesn't have authority over it. Because, because you ready for this? Remember what scripture says? What, don't you know that you're not your own? That you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. And you realize on your wedding day, God's gift to your spouse was you. It's the reason, guys, I'm going to say a lot, it's the reason that it's so wrong for you and I to go have relationships with other people physically before we get married or after we get married. Because, because, because you're giving the gift of God intended for your spouse to somebody who has no right to unwrap the present. And yet God says, this is, this is an amazing gift that I've given to men and women. So here's the question. How do we get this so messed up? How, how does this thing get so off kilter in our relationships? And how could something so good become a source of frustration within our relationships? And here's what I think. I think it's because men and women come to sexuality completely different. Have you noticed that? That we have absolutely polar opposite ideas about this thing. Yes? No? So let me me see if I can help. Uh, If I was going to describe how men come to sex, uh, men are always ready. Have you noticed that? I mean, drop of a hat, ready. I mean, it, it takes nothing to get a man to go, oh, hey, what about? Matter of fact, ladies, you can come walking into the room wearing burlap. You, you cannot have washed your hair in three days. And you bend over to pick something up. And he's like, whoa! What were you thinking? What did you intend? Huh? Right? If, if I was going to describe how a man uh, comes ready for this, th- this, is, this is the object lesson I would use. Uh, he's a microwave man. I mean, it's just a couple buttons. And it's full on... Hour 10, 30 seconds of heat. That's a man. Maybe, hopefully, a little more than 30. But you get what I'm saying, right? So, wow. You know, there I am, full intensity. Here we go. Women don't come with this same uh, view. Matter of fact, women, women take a little while to warm up. Uh, we got to do a little courting and got a little romancing. And women get to this moment just a little bit different. And if I was going to use an object lesson for that, it would... It'd be a crock pot. And the men are going, golly. You realize how long it takes for one of those things to warm up? I mean, man, you start, you start at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's 7 o'clock before you get to eat. I mean, that's, wow. 
And it's just, it's just is, it is what it is. But here's guys, 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 you, you may be thinking about this the wrong way. Cause you want to hear the really, really cool thing about a crock pot? Once that thing warms up, then you can eat out of it all day long. <laughs> I mean, that's just a meal ready to go all the time. And, and that, and that, and that there's actually one of the coolest things that, that you and I can do is figure out how to keep the crock pot plugged in. How do, how do we keep each other on the same page on this thing? Because I'm convinced there's things that we do in our relationship. There's exchanges between husband and wife that unplug this and lead to lots of angst and lots of frustration with each other. So let's see if we can unpack that for a minute. Okay, so here's what you need to know. Men, men, when they come to relationships, uh, they come to relationships with sex first. In other words, a man says, hey, uh, my first my first move into a relationship is, hey, if we can have a gratifying sexual relationship, then I will think about exposing the soft underbelly of my emotions. And for him, the least risky thing to do is to test the water sexually and then consider engaging emotionally. Matter of fact, if this were a swimming pool and you've got the shallow end of the swimming pool and the deep end of the swimming pool, for a man, the shallow end of the relational swimming pool is sex. See, he goes, here's the deal. I'm just, if I'm going to kind of test this thing out, if I'm going to kind of figure out if, if this is good or not and, and test the waters, well then I'm going to, my first move in is going to be sexual. And I know some of the women are going, oh man, that's, just, why are men so crummy? And lately, at least, don't do that. The reality is this is how God wired him. And there's actually some huge benefits for you in the fact that God geared him this way. And part of it is, it's part of what gives him the energy and the desire to chase and pursue you. Okay? But this is how men come. And so this actually feels safer for the man. And then the deep end, the, the part that's terrifying, the, the, the deep water, and I've got to make sure, you know, I'm going to be okay for a man within a relationship, is the emotional end. Remember we said a couple weeks ago, we said that women are intuitively modest in what regard? Come on, you know this. Women are intuitively modest physically. Men are intuitively modest emotionally. Which, guys, ladies, that's why this feels like the deep end of the pool to him. See, what he's saying is, look, 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 if I can trust you physically, and if we can encounter each other physically, and if in that moment of that physical encounter, you're honoring and, and gratifying to me, then that's going to give me at least a sense that maybe, maybe you can handle the thing which is much more scary for me, much more intimidating, and, and, and much more exposing for me, which is my emotions. So men come to this sexually first, emotionally second. The reason this is a challenge is because women are absolutely the, on, the opposite. Women come to this moment, and the shallow end of the pool for her is emotional. 
See, in other words, what she would say is, well, you know, if we can talk about that, and if I can share with you how my feelings are, and if I can see that you treat my feelings with honor, and that you respect that, and that you care about how I think, and, and how I feel about that thing, and if we can secure that, then I might consider the deep end of the pool, which for her is sexual. I heard a woman say one time, and it may or may not be completely true, but I do think it has some powerful elements of truth in it. And here's what she said. She said, the moment a woman sits with a man and he says to her, I've just told you things that I have never shared with my wife. And if she allows that conversation to continue... She knows in her heart it's only a matter of time before she sleeps with him. Because she has allowed him to engage her in a level of emotional intimacy that will eventually lead to a physical response. And guys, it is this coming to the conversation so polar opposite that has all the capacity to cause the tension that some of us are feeling in our relationships. Let's unpack that a little bit. He comes home at night. He's exhausted. See, he's been working like crazy at work. He's done that whole man thing that is all about accomplishment and all about success. So he's put 160% of his effort into the workplace because he's going to be the provider. He's forgotten everything else we said about all the other providing things. And so now he's concentrating on work. He comes home. He's got nothing left in the tank. So immediately as he walks in the door, she says, hi, she's ready to engage emotionally. He grunts. He then turns and he goes to his man cave. Because here's what men do. When we wear out emotionally, when we that tank gets empty, we have to go find something mindless to do. So that becomes video games, or that becomes mindless TV, or it becomes working our hard because look, 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 I can do that and not have to think about anything else. I can save the world with a minimum amount of effort, okay? So I can do that, and as I do that for four or five hours, my emotional tank begins to recharge. So now he walks out of his man cave, it's the end of the night, it's time to go to bed, and he says to his wife, hey... Uh, guess what I was thinking? To which she says, are you crazy? How would you even think that? Now, ladies, here's, here's what you need to understand. I don't, I'm not telling you that you need to agree. I'm telling you you need to understand. In the heart of a man, when he comes... And says, hey, let's, let's be physical. Let's, let's be intimate together. You realize in man culture, that's actually a gesture of connection. Because what did we say? How do, how do men first come to the relationship? And this is actually in his mind, a gesture of connection. This is him kind of saying, hey, I, I want, I want to connect with you. And here's what you've got to be careful of, ladies. And I'm not telling you that you have to be intimate in that moment. I'm not telling you that you have to violate your heart in that moment. I'm telling you that you need to be grace-filled in that moment. Here's why. Because as you let him down, as you say no, guess what he's going to hear? I do not want to connect with you. Because in man culture... This is his gesture of connection. 
Physical first, emotional second. Men, here's what's messing us up. Uh, you and I go into our man cave. We come out of our man cave. It's the end of the night. We think, hey, I've got my, my energy back up. I'm going to go connect with my wife. This is going to be a really neat evening. And she says, absolutely not. And here's why she says, absolutely not. She goes, are you kidding? You've been home for six hours. For six hours, I've been in the other room waiting for you to connect with me, not physically, emotionally. And you have absolutely ignored me. And men, here's what you got to hear in this moment. When you and I come walking into the house and we are 100% emotionally drained and we turn to go do the man cave thing, her heart has been longing for you to come home and to connect with her on an emotional level because women begin emotionally. She, she thought all day long about what it was going to be like to sit on the couch with you. To talk to you about the kids or talk about what's going on at work. And you grunted and turned. And in that moment, you could not have done anything more wounding. Because in that moment, you said to her, I am not interested in connecting with you. I'm not interested in engaging your soul. I've got something way more important that's called Warcraft. And that's what she heard. And men, it's not what you intended You came home exhausted, you were going to recharge your batteries, you were going to re-engage later, but you need to know that is the message you sent. And it's what gets us into this unhealthy cycle relationally with each other. And so now you come at the end of the night and you say, hey, 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 let's be physical. And she's going, you're you're just dumb. Man, let me see if I can help you with this a little bit. Here's why this moment is such a deep violation to her. For women... The sexual encounter, the physical encounter, the intimate encounter, that encounter is the end zone dance. Okay? For her, this is the victory dance you do after you score a touchdown. When the, the, the sexual encounter is a celebration of how good the marriage is and how good the relationship is. So when you've checked out all evening and now you come at the end of the evening and go, hey, she's going... And what are we celebrating right now? I've been vacuuming and doing the dishes and you've been playing your games. What are we celebrating right now? And it makes absolutely no sense to her. In the same way, men. Men, you ready? If you had been playing in a football game and you'd lost miserably. And now you're in the locker room and there's a couple Joho's in the back. And they're all high-fiving each other going, Hey, did you see that great catch I did? Oh yeah, you knocked that guy out of bounds. And all they're doing is celebrating their own accomplishments and they are totally unaware of the fact that you just got trounced. And I guarantee you, any man worth his salt in here wants to turn to those two guys and say, Shut up. Don't you know what the scoreboard says? We lost. Men, that's exactly what her heart says. Hey, wait a minute, you're asking me to go into the other room and celebrate. Haven't you read the scoreboard yet? And I don't feel like I have anything to celebrate for. And it's an absolute violation of how God wired her to respond to you. Okay? So you go, okay, okay, I think I get it. I think I get where this tension's coming from. I think I get how our way of thinking about this is so counterintuitive to each other that it causes friction and thing. How do you fix it? 
How do, how do you begin to make a difference? And here, you want to hear something really cool? Guys, you have the chance to turn this thing around. You have the capacity. Plug in the crock pot and keep it plugged in. How do you do that? And here's the simple answer. It's called pursuit. It's called chasing after your wife. It's called courting her. Remember when you were dating and remember when she couldn't keep her hands off you? How How many men remember that? Come on. It's the reason you married her. Come on. All right. So what happened? What changed? Because here's what was going on in that moment, guys. You were so intent on catching her that you were doing anything to pursue her. It didn't matter if it was flowers. It didn't matter if it was taking her to the movies. It didn't matter if you were sitting out on a bench. Or the, you didn't care. Matter of fact, half of them weren't even working. You didn't care. You were just trying everything, everything to pursue her. But here's what you need to know. Her heart was filled by your pursuit. This is something that is at the very core of a woman that she longs for the man that she loves to chase her. The problem is, we got married. No, 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 I'm serious. Because here's what happened. He chased her, 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 and then he caught her. And so here's what he thought. He said, hey... Job done. Honeymoon every night, rest of my life. (laughs) Hey! Hey! And then he turned. He turned, ladies, ladies, listen to this. He did not turn because he did not love you. That's not why he turned. He turned because he's a man. And here's how men think. Task done. Got the wife. And now he turned his attention to start doing the other things that he needed to accomplish in his life. And he turned in that moment and says, okay, i got to finish my education now. i got to get that promotion at work. i got to start working on building that sailboat that I said I was going to build. And he began to pursue the other things on his list. And ladies, although that felt like a highly unloving gesture, you just need to know he didn't mean it that way. It was him being a man in that moment. But man, here's what you need to know. When she married you, she did not believe she was signing up for game over. She thought she was signing up for a lifetime of game. That you were going to play hide and seek with her every single day for the rest of your life. So you were going to chase her, and then she was going to get caught, and then you were going to chase her, and she was going to get caught for the rest of your life. That's what she thought. Because this is a big deal to her to get chased. Matter of fact, let let me read you a passage of scripture that I think just absolutely captures the heart of a woman. So grab your Bibles and go with me. It's the book of uh, Song of Songs, or sometimes it's called the Song of Solomon. The easiest way to find this is if you go right dead smack in the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to get the book of Psalms. Go to the right, you'll get Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes and then this Song of Solomon. And guys, this is a cool book. Remember we had you doing devotions with your spouse? This is a cool this is all about a guy pursuing his love. And it's a really fun book in the Bible. Okay? It'll be a little embarrassing, but it's a fun book in the Bible. Okay. Here it is. It's Song of Songs. It's chapter two. 
And here's what you need to know. It's written from her perspective. In other words, she's describing what it's like to have him chasing. And she's doing it in kind of poetic language. So here we go. It's Song of Songs, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Here's what she says to her friends. Listen, my beloved. Look, here he comes. Leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, this guy loves me so much, he's not going to let anything stand in the way. He will scale mountains to get to me. He will go over the top of any hill he's got to do to get to me. This guy is chasing me to win my love. Which is absolutely thrilling to the heart of a woman. To have the man she loves pursue. Matter of fact, look at her response Look what intuitively happens in her heart when the man chases. It's chapter 3, so it's over just a little bit. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Look what she does in response. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. She said, I laid here alone and just said, where is he? And why isn't he with me? I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now, and I will go about the city through the streets and through the squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, and I did not find him. And guys, get the moment. Because she was pursued, it intuitively caused her to turn and come toward him. Is that incredibly powerful? And then watch this, jump down to verse 4. Scarcely had I passed them. She ran into some strangers and one of the watchmen that was watching the city. Scarcely had I passed them when I found one of my, the heart, the one my heart loves. I held him. I would not let him go till I brought him to my mother's house to the room where I was conceived. And you get the moment. There is something about the heart of your wife that longs for the man that she loves. To pursue her. And we forgot. How many guys know the Twilight books? Come on. Twilight books. Okay, how many saw the Twilight movie? Okay, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Mostly women. There's a couple men going, but she made me. It was really bad. Here's what I think is interesting. Think about this for a minute, guys. There was this whole phenomenon. I know it's been a couple years back. There was this whole phenomenon, the whole Twilight series. And women of all ages, all ages, flocked to go see the Twilight series. Do you realize the Twilight series was about werewolves and vampires? How weird is that? I mean, not exactly we'd consider female fair, right? And you realize that in the series there was no sex. Bella was waiting till marriage to have sex. And yet women were just drawn to this thing. Why? Because there was a guy named Edward. And Edward was a vampire of all things. That Bella falls in love with. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that was so intriguing. The thing that women loved about Edward was he was willing to fight the entire town. He was willing to turn his back on his own tribe of vampires. And he was even willing to fight the werewolves, including Team Jake. For Bella. And the idea that Edward would pursue Bella so passionately thrilled the hearts of women. And women sat in that room and said, I wish my man would chase me. 
the way that Edward chases her. It's the longing. It's the longing of the heart of your wife. And the most powerful thing that you can do, man, is chase again. Pursue again. Ladies, you want him to chase. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know there's some in the room right now and you're going, Lynn, I got three kids, four kids at home. I'm exhausted at night. I don't think I want him chasing. Uh, ladies, you're mistaken. You want him chasing. Remember we said, what's the first foot forward of a man? It's physical. And if he ever stops chasing you, he's lost interest in you. See, the reality is, ladies, you want to be 93 years old and you want him. Just saying. Just saying. You may have to fake falling down or something, but you want him chasing you. And then, ladies, 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 you need to let yourself get caught. If he's willing to put that effort in, if he's willing to pursue the chase, you need to be okay getting caught. Because here, remember, his first engagement relationally is physically, and there's something about you get letting yourself get caught that speaks admiration and acceptance to him. And you just, just, just might get a chance to glimpse into his heart if you let yourself get caught. So ladies, I'm just saying, ladies, you, you want to give a man a real big high five? You, you, you want to watch a man walk tall and proud for a week? Initiate. Initiate. And I know that's just the opposite. Whatever everything we've been saying, hey, it's about pursuing her and her feeling the pursuit. And then she turns. But I'm just going to tell you, there's nothing that makes a man feel more affirmed in his life than a wife who expresses desire to him. Because, because, because how do men receive connection? physically and it's a powerful gesture on the part of a wife and if you would just throw that in once in a while you'd thrill his heart man am i speaking the truth so go ooh, ooh, ooh. okay all right all right there you go all right so let me give you two suggestions real, real quick okay i'm going to give you this these are not part of the challenge i'm giving you these suggestions as something you ought to be doing in your marriage despite the challenge okay so i'm just going to give you these and i'm going to ask you to incorporate them because they're going to help with the chasing and pursuing part of this thing and then i'm going to give you the challenge so here get, let me give you two things number one is this i'm going to ask you to consider establishing from this day forward a date night and i'm going to ask you to pursue a date night once a week that you just say look i i know i know we're, i'm busy i got a hundred other things to do that's exactly why it's important because at least you're carving out a time to say at least once a week, my spouse is more important than anything else in my life this week. And we are going to carve out time to connect with each other. Go have a cup of coffee. doesn't have to be expensive. You can go for a walk in the park. I don't care. But it's, there's an incredibly powerful thing that happens when you make the statement in your marriage, my connecting with my spouse is more important and I will make the time to have it happen. I know there's some young mothers in this room and you're going, hey, you know, I've got these tiny little babies and nobody else is qualified to watch my children. 
you realize that's not true. The human race has survived with other women watching other women's children. But even if you feel that way, I mean, if you just feel like I am the only woman in the world qualified to watch my kids, then tie them up for a couple hours. You come back, they'll be fine. You know, put a little water dish closed. You know, just... No, no, guys, I'm just telling you, this is huge. Matter of fact, hey, guys, men, let me tell you why this is important. My crock pot, my crock pot's plugged in. And if you were to go and ask my wife and say, Lisa, what what is one of the most thrilling parts of your marriage? What is it that you most appreciate about your marriage? And I guarantee you within the first two or three minutes of explaining our marriage, she would say to you, it's my date night. Because for 33 years, my husband has taken me on a date every Thursday night. And here's what she knows. She knows that I love her enough to carve that time to chase and to pursue. You know, here's something really, really interesting. I am not allowed to cancel date night ever. Ever. I mean, the minute I say, hey, Lisa, something came up and it's kind of hitting the calendar and I was thinking Thursday night, she's like, what? What? But she cancels it all the time. Man, that's a big that's a big clue. You know why it's okay for her to cancel it, not for me? Because she wants to know I'm still chasing. It's why I can't cancel. But if she knows I'm chasing, it's why it's okay for her. Second thing. You and I are going to become energy conservationists. Okay? We're, we're, going to, we're going to reserve some energy for our spouse. Because remember what we talked about earlier? Here's what happens. He comes walking in the house. He's completely drained of energy. He goes off to his man cave to recharge. Then he comes out says, hey, hey, hey. She says, you're an idiot. She comes to bed. It's 11 o'clock at night. He says, hey, hey, hey. She says, I've been in there vacuuming. I've been in there straightening out. I've been packing the kids' lunches. I'm exhausted out of my mind. No way. Ladies, I'm not telling you what I'm about to tell you is right. I'm telling you that what I'm about to tell you is what a man thinks. When it's 11 o'clock at night and he's saying, hey, 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 and let's do something right now. And you go, I'm exhausted. Here's what a man thinks. If you loved me, you would have saved some energy for me. You, you, You would have just left the dishes you would have not worried about vacuuming the floor and you would have saved some energy for me. Because ladies, I'm just going to tell you, you go to any man in the world and say, vacuum the floor, sex. He is not choosing vacuum floor. Men, you need to save some energy. Because when you walk in the house and you're so emotionally drained that all you do is check out from her and check out from the family, guess what her heart thinks? If you loved me, you would have saved some energy for me. See, you wouldn't have done the 140%. You would have, you would have started slowing down a little bit. You would have, whatever that is, but you would have come home with something left for me if you loved me. And so we're going to begin to become energy conservationists for each other. And we're going to reserve energy for one another.
Okay. All right. Here we go. Real quick. Here's the challenge. Here's what we're going to do. Ladies, if you'll reach in the seat back right in front of you, you're going to find a card. This card belongs to you. This is your card. On the card, it says it's business time. Okay. Do I need to explain that? Anybody says, Lynn, I need. All right. All right. So ladies, this is your card. Men, uh, we have about 30 days left in the challenge. For the next 30 days, you are not going to ask for sex. <laughs> Some of the men right now are going, I have to ask for sex 10 times just to get it once. If I can't ask for it at all, this is a famine. Ladies, this is your card. It's your card to play. To which the men are again are going, it's always been her card. No, no, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, guys. Here it is. Okay, you ready? You are going to chase her. You're going to go back to what it was like before you married her. And you're going to pursue her. And I, you're going to get her to play the card. That's your goal. That over the next 30 days, you're going to do such a great job of courting her. She calls it romance. You call it work. She calls it romance. And you're going to do such a great job for the next 30 days that she's going to play the card over and over and over again without you asking. Because as you pursue, she'll turn to you. And then we get to the end. We're going to take a survey, see who... No, I'm teasing. No, we're not going to... No, we're not. The men are going to do that anyways, right? You get there, going to stand in the lobby and go, 16, dude, 16, right? But you and I, men, here's what we're going to do. We're going to change the game. We're going to start behaving the way we should have behaved all along. And we're going to get her to play that card over and over and over again. Ladies, play the card. Play the card. Because if he can catch you, he'll pursue you that much more. And we're going to figure out what it would be like if for 30 days we began to treat each other in this part of our lives the way God intended in the first place. And we take all the angst out. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we're, we're just simply coming to you in the moment. And God, it's so incredible to us that we took this, this gift. We took this incredible thing that you gave us and somehow got it twisted up. Turned it into something that was frustrating and caught. The thing that was supposed to be a celebration of marriage now causes friction in our marriages. How crazy is that? And God, we're just, we're going to get back to what you prescribed. And, and men are going to go pursuing their wives. And wives are going to allow themselves to get caught. And we're going we're gonna to take this incredible gift that you gave us and give it to each other. And God, we're going to find out what that could be like in our marriages. So God, here it is. It's 30 days. And would you do something just absolutely transformative in our lives? In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.